another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today our guest is Jazz. Jazz LaFon is a genderqueer advice columnist, influencer, and activist. They are also a parent and self-proclaimed blurred or black nerd. Jazz has a bachelor's degree in human services and is working towards a master's in social work from the University of New Hampshire. They have worked closely with marginalized youth since 2011 and have hosted events to create a sense of community for the LGBTQA plus community and people of color since 2015. From networking and speed dating events to the Ask a Brown Feminine podcast where they give advice and highlight all issues brown and queer. Currently, Jazz is working to create safe, uplifting spaces for the queer folk and people of color in New Hampshire where both groups make up just a fraction of the population. It is Jazz's goal to eradicate stigma and stereotypes around what it means to be brown and what it means to be queer and to promote equity for marginalized groups. Jazz lives in southern New Hampshire with their spouse and two children. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was so well done. You have a great voice for this. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> this is my I went out partying all night voice. So uh, yeah, same. <laughs> that gives you that like radio voice. <laughs> Respect it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so to start us off, what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? I think the the two at the forefront are just being black and uh, identifying as queer shape my identity the most. I think that being a mom probably comes right after that, shapes a lot of my decisions, but definitely black and queer are right up in the forefront. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you tell that I like to do things right? Like, did I get the right answer? Am my teacher's okay. now? Cool. <laughs> You're good. Good job. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> I want to know more about this um, influencer activist part of you, though. Like, tell me more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So a few years ago, how long has it been now? 2015, I think, is when this really started to kick into gear for me. I became a little bit more with, familiar with social media um, as I was living in Hartford, Connecticut, where the queer spaces and black and brown spaces are a little bit more prevalent. In Hartford, Connecticut, it's a small city, but it's definitely concentrated. It is the city. And so you leave your door and, you know, it's nothing to go like to the Jamaican dance, dance hall down the street and then turn around and go to the Puerto Rican restaurant and then go to the museum and see art created by like local um, artists of color, you know, and then go to pride. So that was nothing, but it was still nice to have that sense of community and I wanted to contribute to that. So um, I began to start planning events for that purpose. Um, mostly uh, events that sort of like, spoke to my fancy so like speed dating events for queer people um halloween parties that sort of thing and i uh, sort of doing my own little thing in harford but when i moved up here to new hampshire i realized very quickly that uh <laughs> that i was the only brown and queer person <laughs> in my town mm -hmm. um that i that I could see, like, you know, seeing another brown face in the grocery store started to become like a highlight. <laughs> And so, you know, almost almost selfishly out of my own longing to have that 
community and had that sort of something close to the experience that I had in Hartford, I started to build up Ask a Brown Feminine. And at first it became, at first it was more informational. I wanted to connect with people and open my experience to people who, you know, may not necessarily run into what it is to be brown or queer daily. And so um, I started out as doling out advice and also giving my perspective on things. So whether that's politics or sexuality, what have you, um, it was sort of my soapbox, you know? Um, and that then became events because a motherfucker's lonely out here in New England. So, I started the Queer Bay Brunch series, um, which is a monthly event series in which I create a space for people to gather and build community um, and have conversations about about being queer and that experience, especially here in New Hampshire, where so much of it is very straight and very uh, right-leaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, Again, you know, kind of selfishly out of my own need to connect, um, I was able to build this space and it's growing all the time. And it's been it's been dope to see. It's been really great to sort of start forming that family and also connecting people from like here in New Hampshire to Connecticut and to other places that I've been where people are like creating art and advocating and thriving. So I feel like we're creating a network now across states and it's been it's been a good ride Mm -hmm. so far. Very cool. Am I rambling? I do that too. No, not at all. No, not at all. All right, cool. (laughs) I love that. That sounds like it was very needed there because I feel like being in Chicago, there's so much going on all the time. And like, there's so many amazing organizers out here that really create and curate events for all different subsets of the queer community, right? And then living somewhere where that isn't and taking that on. That's that's work because it's super fulfilling. But like, I imagine that's a lot of work too. It's a lot of work, it. but I'm uh, I'm really passionate about it because I want to see that. Um, yeah. I want to see that sort of community thriving. I want to see that action already happening. I feel very uh, blessed to have had that back where I was living, mm-hmm. and I think about it as a queer person and as a parent to a queer person like I would definitely want to foster that and see like my kids have the resources that I was fortunate enough to have and you know other people's kids of course I want to see young people coming up be able to leave their door and know like okay well you know this exists for me and like there's this Mm -hmm. community without having to sort of be an island so yeah it's been good it's been good that's awesome yeah I feel like I should like say more stuff, but I'm also not. Sure. I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm. Am I doing this right? Yeah. <laughs> there is no right yeah. and wrong. It's right. just be you. All right, cool, cool, That's cool. all you gotta all right. do. That's all you gotta I do. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, what was that transition like for you? To like you said, it was hard to like move there, where it's a very different demographic and feels like the complete polar opposite of where you were at in many ways. Yeah. It, it was definitely uh, interesting. Um, I feel like I should preface this with I'm a nonconformist anyway. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I got here and again, I noticed that it was very uh, white and very, uh, <laughs> and very straight. Um, and I was like, oh, we've got to black and queer this up immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, we've got we've to do something. <laughs> and it was kind of like a fun challenge, you know, um, like like we said before, it's a lot of work, but um, I, I 
automatically felt like, you know what, I moved here and these things may not exist yet, but maybe that's the reason that I'm here. Maybe the universe has put me here to create that. So at times it can be intimidating just because I know that there's a ton of work to do and that it's going to take you know, years to really establish um, everything that I want to do because I, I dream big. Um, <laughs> but it's worth it. It feels really good to to know that I'm I'm getting I'm gaining traction. You know, um, I recently spoke at Concord Pride here, um, which is amazing. I was able to do a speech there and um, reach out to some people and make some great connections. Um, people be coming for brunch, and I love brunch, so that's great. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I'm also creating a uh, clinical support group through my work for uh, LGBTQ people who are uh, under the age of 21. So, like, that's an educational slash clinical space already. So, you know, it's it's been an interesting transition, but it's 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 all good stuff. Like, yeah. it's dope. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's what matters. Yeah, yeah it feels like it feels like kind of like pioneering, you know. Yeah, you bit. are. But without the dysentery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a good thing. Good thing. <laughs> yeah. Glad you mentioned that, so our uh, guests know. That. <laughs> not You're not at risk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to have dysentery to be an activist, y'all. You can do it too. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's cool because again like i i want to i definitely want to mention the fact that we're bridging a gap between like urban environments who have those resources and these more suburban and rural environments i mean my best friend is an artist and um is a another queer person of color and she's been able to come up here and sell art and read poetry and just bring so much of that uniquely Harford, uniquely city sort of a perspective up here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like through that sort of like blending, that's where the progress lies. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like once we get people to understand that their experience is not the only experience, Mm -hmm. we're going to get a lot further. So yeah, yeah, it's nice to be able to be a uh, catalyst for that. Yes. Yeah, it's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I was, it, it, it almost it almost escaped me, and I was like, ah. <laughs> "You grabbed it, you got it." <laughs> Not going anywhere. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to hear more about your clinical work too. You like touched on that a little bit. So, what direction does that take you? Well, I am a case manager. I work for one of the mental health centers here in New Hampshire, and again, out of again out of um my realization that there are not a lot of resources for LGBTQ plus people or quilt bang. I'm not even sure. I'm too old to use quilt bang. I feel like, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't even heard that one yet. I must be too old for it. What is that? <laughs> so quilt, <laughs> from, from what I know, quilt bang is another acronym that people are sort of suggesting um, as an alternative to LGBTQ plus because it's more inclusive. So I think quilt bang is like queer. Are you bang or quilt bang? Wait, quilt Quilt. bang? Quilt bang. Yes. (laughs) So So it's like like easier to say than like It is easier to say. Yeah, and it has hella letters in it. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's a suggestion that I've been given is quilt bang. And I'm like, well, I'll try. But I'm also old. So <laughs> I know, right? I'll, I'll like it. No, <laughs> no. Fuck. But all the letters <laughs> is hard, too, though. How, like, it, what it what am I going to like? Up, like some imagery. Like, right. It sounds like this, like, like it looks like it's like a little like kid's like, club. They're like, it? you can't like, you can't be in our club. I, don't, I feel like I it guess. sounds like like quilt banging, like quilt banging, yeah. like quilts, quilts banging. Like, how do you like, explain what? that? That's what you're saying to somebody every single time. I definitely, I definitely, the first time I heard it, imagine like that thing of when like people like have sex but through a hole in the blanket that's oh, oh yeah <laughs> oh like, well, dang, oh no yeah no that's no no maybe it like but, is um, still east coast it hasn't made its way across the midwest yet yeah, hope it's it's probably so we're firmly in the lgbtq plus <laughs> camp over here okay cool 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 um, <laughs> oh, I so would like there to be a new word. I like queer. I am fine okay, with like queer, queer. to be like honest. Queer. Like queer is like super simple. Yeah. It's all encompassing. It's been reclaimed. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Kind of chic. Like I appreciated it. Like the fuck am I gonna do? Like wearing a shirt that says quote bang on it. Like, I'm gonna wear it. like no. Like how do you even market that? Like, it's I, a new kink. No, no. no. it's not. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you on that for the record. I just <laughs> no, but I appreciate you like bringing it up. So now I'm gonna yeah. have it in my head for a minute. I'm gonna like, go Google it. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I actually like queer myself. Um, I've only run into a couple people who don't like queer, um, and I think that I think that that might just be like because of the connotation like for older generations like i find mm-hmm. that people who are a little bit older than me don't like queer so much yeah but i think it suits me just fine okay. i think it works yeah. but to answer your question <laughs> <laughs> um on, from a clinical standpoint what i'm trying to do is create a uh, clinical support group so a little bit different from your traditional support group where people just sort of come and it's a very peer-centered space. This will be peer-centered, but we will also be providing clinical services. So if people are in need of counseling and or are in need of a case management or just need, you know, to be referred to certain resources, we can also provide that. So it's like a step up from the traditional support group. And I think that it'll be really cool because we're also going to be adding an educational component to it because these are people who are young. Like our, our target age group is under 21, but most of our clients who, who we would be seeing probably are between 13 and 17. So we definitely want to touch on like sexual education. Um, We want to talk about the whole spectrum of gender and sexual orientation and attraction and all of that. And really just give people some foundational information to go forward with that'll help them to make smart decisions later on down the line. Um, We want to talk about substance abuse and we want to talk about increased suicide risk, all of those sorts of things that are really prevalent to the LGBTQ population and make sure that we, you know, prepare these kids for as at least prepare them as much as we can for what the real world is like and give them the tools to sort of navigate their way. So 
that's kind of the idea there. Mm-hmm. Plus, there will be snacks. <laughs> that always brings the people. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, snacks. <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh again, I'm I'm very passionate about this stuff, so it just feels really nice to be able to pursue something that I feel so strongly about. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. <laughs> I love that. When I hear about stuff like that, it makes me wonder what that experience is like to be that queer person that has that type of space. Cause mm. I came out in my thirties. Like I oh. was nowhere near any of that at that age. And I can only imagine how empowering that feels to have that kind of space at a younger age like that. I agree. And I feel like being empowered to do something like that, even if it's not um, being queer necessarily, but like being empowered to be who you are yeah. at that age is so important. I mean, those are really some formative years mm-hmm. and to be able to feel empowered and encouraged in whatever your identity is at that age is going to be so helpful later on down the line. And that's really where, where all of this comes from, all of the stuff that I'm doing. And again, like I, I mentioned this before, but you know, one of my kids is queer. And so it's really important for me to provide a space for them, to hold space for them, not only within the family, but within the arenas that we navigate, you know, mm-hmm. school, um, you know, whatever spiritual path they decide to take on later down the line. I want to like let them know, like, no matter where you are, your identity is okay. This is you. And, you know, we're going to navigate it together. You're supported. So, yeah, if I can do that for more kids, that makes me happy. On <laughs> that, we're about at storytelling time. So we'd love to hear cool, your story cool, cool, today, cool. too. I love how you're saying cool, 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 cool. Do you yeah, yeah. watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? <laughs> Please say yes. Yeah, a little bit. Anytime I hear it, I'm like, you have to watch it. There's no way you don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. It's quality programming. <laughs> it honestly is, though. <laughs> Alright, so just go ahead and start reading. It's all yours. Alright, alright, got you. My sexual awakening was equal parts Prince climbing out of his bathtub in the Doves Cry video, Dr. Frankenfurter, and Xena Warrior Princess. In first grade, I had a crush on a boy named Michael, and the following year, I had a crush on a girl named Molly. I've always known that my attractions were different from the people around me. And so, as many of us do, I shoved them far to the back of my subconscious. It's a strange thing to be black and queer. I remember the closeted days of the 90s and the late 80s when queerness could be alluded to but not talked about outright. People had funny uncles and spinster aunts who lived with their best friend for their entire adult lives. And even those who were completely out of the closet were treated as curiosities. There was no one I felt comfortable discussing my feelings with. No one who I thought would understand. I mean, my mom had had a friend named Sally for a couple years, but no one spoke outright about it. So my mom didn't really feel like the person to go to with this. In addition to feeling like I had no one to talk to, there was no real precedent for it in the world around me. Sure, queer people have always existed, But my world at the time was small, and there were no examples of healthy queer love to be seen. This was in the days before the internet was readily available to everyone, 
And so I was limited to the stories on my TV screens, stories that inevitably ended with cishet male winning over the cishet female and riding off into the sunset. To make matters worse, the vast majority of these love stories involved two white people. There was no story like mine. In fact, the only story involving two queer people of color in a relationship that I had seen was set at all. An amazing movie in which the queer protagonist dies. Eventually, I would find my way into the gay straight alliances and gay clubs of my youth, finding and cultivating my tribe until I felt supported enough to embrace every aspect of my burgeoning identity. As helpful as they were, even these spaces weren't perfect for me. I craved acceptance and support, but I was met with confusion and derision. This was true for years to come until I found my people. When I was in school, GSAs weren't inclusive of trans-identified people, and the schools were under no obligation to support people who were transitioning. A gender-neutral bathroom? Unheard of. The gay clubs house other problems. My first night out at a gay club culminated in a white man yelling, Go, girl! into my ear and swiftly smacking me on the ass. In a gay club where I should have felt secure was this white man, assuming he had access to my body. I realized that no matter where I was, no matter how marginalized the people around me, I would always be the black one and I would be dehumanized as a result. Within the black community, I continued to struggle. Many of the people I knew were raised in the church and so the idea of being queer was as good as a one-way ticket to hell. People would offer to pray the gay away like other people say pass the salt. Even those people I knew who weren't very religious believed that my then coming out as bisexual was a phase, something I couldn't possibly understand. Still others believed that homosexuality was for white people and it was an attack on the black family. Being black and queer has colored my experience. I'm aware that when I walk into a space, my brown skin dictates what people think of me before I ever open my mouth. My clothes, just shy of femme with hints at masculinity, can be confusing for people. How do I categorize this person? Is this person gay? How politically correct am I going to have to be around this person? The answer is, do you truly need to? Yes, sometimes, and very. I am a black and Afro-Latinx non-binary person. I don't fit neatly into any boxes and that is both a blessing and a challenge. I'm a millennial who remembers the days of don't ask, don't tell, but has also benefited from a shift to the mainstream. I can use my experience to lift up others and yet my existence angers so many. I'm grateful for existing in this gap because while the pioneering efforts of the generation before me made it possible for me to understand my sexuality, it was the work of this generation that helped me solve the puzzle of my gender. I recently moved from Hartford, Connecticut, where the culture is heavily immersed in Black and Latinx tradition and where the visibility of the queer community is on the rise. The gay clubs are lit and resources for LGBTQ people are abundant. I now live in New Hampshire where the population is something like 94% white and the numbers are still out on the queer population. I'm still recovering from the culture shock. 
the level of conservatism here is high and there's nowhere near as much knowledge about LGBTQ plus issues or the intersection between those issues and those of people of color as there was in Harvard. After months spent feeling like an island, I decided to look for my community here in this very white, very straight state. I looked for the clubs, for the pride events, for the nonprofits. I started the Queer Bay Brunch and put out a sort of bat signal to let people know that they would find their tribe with me. I wrote a book. My child came out. I started to meet people who are passionate about building community and creating positive change. And I'm inspired by their creativity and perseverance. I also feel like my experience as a person of color gives me an increased awareness of how attitudes and policy affect black and brown people. And I can do my part to make sure we have a seat at the table. It's been slow going, but I'm beginning to feel like we're making progress. I am now in my 30s, out and happy. Yes, there's still much work to be done, but I'm also being present and grateful for all the work that has been done by queer people and people of color, which allows me to be here telling my story today. And I hope that my story helps young people the way that theirs have helped me. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> That's beautiful. Good, I like that. <laughs> I started reading when I was like, I'm very hot. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very warm. That was great. That was so great. I like that a lot. Oh, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was just trying to like, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like when I was young, Younger, I feel like I can still say I'm young. When I was younger, being able to read stories and hear stories from other people who were, who had come out and who had, you know, dealt with the difficulties of that, it really helped me to feel affirmed in who I was and feel like there's life after coming out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it let me know, like, you know, things may be difficult. You know, if, if you let people in that way, but ultimately it's worth it. And and it is, you know, having come out on the other side, I feel so much freer. And I guess that might even sound like cliche, but I do. I feel much freer now that I'm out and I'm just living myself, living my life as myself every day mm-hmm. in the most authentic way I know how. So you know, sure. I appreciate this show because it does that for people. Thank yeah. you for that. You should be proud of yourselves. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's <laughs> yeah. what we're hoping wow. we're doing here. That's what we're aiming for. So. I mean, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. It's good work. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm curious to hear, because you're doing that in a very specific way, where you mentioned that your child came out. So what is it like to not just cultivate that environment for the youth that you work with, but then be able to cultivate a safe environment for your child to be able to come out to you. It's interesting because, you know, you go to work, especially in the mental health field, we're always told to have boundaries Mm -hmm. and to, you know, make sure that we have a safe distance between ourselves and our clients. Mm -hmm. So you can almost look at it objectively. You can be like, you know what, there's a need here. This is what we what we can do to fulfill the need. Let's take action. But when my kid came out, it was interesting because immediately I was like, baby, things are going to be harder for you. Like, immediately, I was like, I just want to hug you. That reality, <laughs> like, yeah. I just wanna, 
exactly, exactly. It was like, oh God. But at the same time, extremely proud that, you know, that they, that the A, they came out Mm -hmm. at the ripe old age of 12 and that, (laughs) and that they felt comfortable enough to be like, Hey mom, you know, I think that this is what I am. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of mixed feelings, but I very much want to, again, create those spaces and help create a world while I'm still breathing that won't be as difficult. Like mm-hmm. ultimately I would love it in my lifetime if people didn't have to come out anymore. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. I like this and this is who I am and you know, mm-hmm. moving on, let's go get some snacks. Right. So, <laughs> so it definitely, um, at first I was scared, but then it like really lit a fire under my ass to like get going with all of these things and like, mm-hmm. you know, do my part to, to make that world, you know, a reality for them. So, yeah, yeah. A little bit of like uh, Tiger Mom came out and I was like, oh, God, we got to fix this world immediately. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting piece of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. then that in turn impacted your work because it like you said, it motivated you even more, which is really cool. Thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Life is weird, you know, Um, for, for a long time. Like when I was in my 20s and like I had just had my kids. I struggled for a little while with figuring out what direction my life would take. I was like, how can I provide for these kids and also like be fulfilled and know that I'm going to be able to provide properly later on down the line and, you know, things that, things that parents think about. And then, you know, I don't know, things just started to come together. You know, it's interesting how your path sort of carves itself out if you let it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, I think that, uh, it's an amazing thing to experience. It's an amazing thing to sort of watch come together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm self-reflecting at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that. Cause I find myself doing that, especially when people tell their stories, like it, it puts me in a position of like feeling very self-reflective too. Like there was a thing that you said about how, like there's le- you said something in your story about like there's life after coming out and yeah. what you said after where like you're hoping that there's a world in your lifetime where people don't have to come out. That's where my mind went when you said that line. I was like, yeah, it sucks that like that's even still something we have to think about in that way. Why is yeah. it even because sometimes I have moments where I think about my sexual orientation. I'm like, I don't feel different than it. Like right. it just is like, but there's this whole stigma and all these labels. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like I'm different than anybody else, but I have to take on this label because other people view it that way. And it just doesn't feel right. I'm like, but I don't feel different. (laughs) It's because of like who I love and sleep with and like feel attraction to. Exactly. Like, and like, really you're not different. Mm -hmm. You're not. (laughs) It's just a matter of like people needing to categorize and like Mm -hmm. this need of like having to be like, well, like, we, like it's, it, I think it's instinctual almost. Like, we get mm-hmm. to this, like, reptilian brain sort of thing where we meet a new person and it's like, what are you? Yep. Can I potentially sleep with you? So, and it's very, it's very strange. But I also yeah. feel like, you know, if we, if we keep working at it, hopefully we can surpass that. Mm-hmm. And I like to, I like to sort of uh, challenge people when they do that. Like, people will ask me about my pronouns and then they'll be like, well, you know, are you transitioning or like, what's going to go on with that? And I'm like, first off, 
very personal. Yeah. Uh, second, let me ask you about your genitals now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so let's all right, let's have that conversation and figure mm-hmm. out what's in between your legs since we're mm-hmm. since we want to make people. What medications are you on? Like, exactly. are you injecting exactly. anything right now? Like, exactly. let's reciprocate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, That's and I, I like doing that because it makes people think, and it's like, well, why did I have to ask that question? Why am I? Why am yeah. I doing this? And yeah. I feel like the more we do that, the more progress we'll make. Sure. Let's make people uncomfortable. 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. For that. Run Absolutely. with that. <laughs> you got my vote. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a good ride. It's a good ride. So with your um little one, how, how are you providing like resources? And how are you all navigating that right now with like what you're doing on top of all of this? I mean, it's a learning experience for both of us. You know, um, I came out as genderqueer, I think in 2015, 2015 was like a big year for me. And first I had to explain to my kids what that meant, why they would hear people calling mom, they, them, and all of that. And so um, out of that, I started to buy books about like, uh, sexual orientation and gender, et cetera. And so that I would feel more informed. I'm a, de- I'm a big, like, let's go buy a book person. When mm-hmm. I got pregnant, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you read it all. <laughs> I, had a, I had like a three foot stack of books. Oh. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm very into like, sort of like, well, let's, let's go look at a book. And so that's what we did. And I was like, you know, um, if you guys have questions, please feel free to ask me, um, you know, and I will inform you the best I can. If I don't know the answer, I'll go and research it. And I've always felt like having that sort of open door policy of like, hey, listen, if you got a question, you ask the question. You're not you're not going to upset me by asking. Has That's always helped. And so out of that, you know, my, my kids started reading these books and was like, you know what? This is actually making a lot of sense. <laughs> and so um, at first they came out to me as bisexual and I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> nice. And then... Uh, you know, later on that became, you know what, I think I'm genderqueer. And I was like, you know what, that's cool. Let's find out about what that means. Um, and let's, you know, let's navigate this thing together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're learning together. But I feel like through openness and through hella research, we got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's cool. what it comes down to, books and Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did notice that you just like super nonchalantly slipped in your story that you wrote a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you catch that one? I did, I did. And you just were talking about books. I'm like, well, tell us a little bit about yours. What's your book? So uh, my book is still in development. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I wrote a children's book um, kind of out of the, the need for more resources because I do have a, a younger child. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is uh, very open and like very understanding. It's like, of course, yeah, mom and mom and Brie are they, them. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But um, there are a lot of children her age and younger who are just kind of like wondering about what all of this means. And it's a question that I get a lot when I use mm-hmm. my pronouns around children. So I figured, why not have a book that has a relatable character that mm-hmm. uses those pronouns and kind of goes into their story. So um I did some research and did not find a book like that. It was like, there's, there are, there are a lot of books, um, that center around being trans or being queer, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily, uh, books that are specifically non-binary. Yeah. And so, you know, again, out of, out of wanting that resource, I was like, I guess I got to create a resource. Mm -hmm. 
So, <laughs> so um, I wrote a book, which is being illustrated by my best friend, uh, Sulinette. She goes by Sulinette. She's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, my hope is that we will have it uh, published by the end of the year. Nice. The end of this year? That's yeah. soon. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you're close. You're close. We're close. Yeah, yeah. We're almost there. <laughs> cool. You'll have to let us know when that's available so we can plug it for you, too. Uh, yeah, I would appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> I'm excited. Very excited. That's great. Yeah. I like your glasses, by the way. I keep looking at them. I'm like, they're so yellow. <laughs> <laughs> they're Thank glasses. you. <laughs> <laughs> I keep looking at them like, those are dope. Why don't I have those? <laughs> yeah. I got them on a whim at Forever Twenty One, and I'm like, "Do I need those?" I think you get complimented on them a lot, so yeah. they they do well for you. Yeah. They block out a lot of blue light, so oh, do they that do? helps. Yeah, that's why yeah. I usually wear them. Like, I didn't even realize that it did that until I took off the glasses and realized everything was too bright. Oh so wow! I, like, I just put them on. That blue like, light wow. will get you. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I I had to turn off all the filters for all of our screens. I was like, "This is not good. We're gonna turn into zombies." But yeah, Forever Twenty One is the joint, though. I like I like that you said that you got them on a whim at Forever Twenty One because last night, as you guys said, you were partying. I was also partying. Um, <laughs> And so last night I wore a dress to the club in which I was partying. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband, who is like the best Instagram husband ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. Yes. He took a really good picture of me in my dress. And oh. I got so many questions like, where'd you get that dress? And I was like, forever 21 on a whim. It's was like, forever <laughs> nice. 21 is a place for that. <laughs> like, that's exactly what you do. It really is. Get real- <laughs> nice. like, I wanted to get like another pair of sunglasses. I didn't find sunglasses, but I got a whole outfit. That I didn't exactly. Need to get. Like, oh. Yeah, there's some sort of like weird vortex for money. <laughs> you go in there, you're like, I'm just gonna look around. I just want to know what's on sale. Oh shit, there's fifty dollars. Right. So- <laughs> like that place and Target, like they both take my yes. money. Yeah. Oh man, I just yeah. No, I was like living it up at Target when I should not have been. <laughs> living it up <laughs> just at yesterday. Target. I was like, I was going through charging. I was like, I'm going to just get this. Oh, look at that. Hmm. Like, everything was going <laughs> it's so in my hard. Walking down the aisle. I know. <laughs> right? I had to like sneak past my husband when I went inside the house. Like, nothing. <laughs> There's nothing over here. Nothing. I know. That's right. I'm trying to avoid it right now because I wasn't partying last night. Mm. Ashabi was. I was moving all night. Oh. So yeah, I need to a- go to Target for like those like new home essentials, but I know what will happen. So I'm like. <laughs> yeah. Avoiding it right now, but I also know yeah. I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're doing at Target. They know. Oh, yeah, they they set it up <laughs> yeah. The end caps. Yeah, really Those damn end caps. <laughs> like, look at me. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I hate you, but I will look at you. Right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I know it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, this is cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm having a real <laughs> And this is your second season doing this? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm start asking you questions. They're like, how does that feel? Right. Uh, I, <laughs> it feels, I think, a little bit surreal because in some ways it feels like we just started, which we did mm. in January. But in other ways, we've talked to so many people. And because yeah. we had 22 episodes in season one. And that's a lot when you like think about how much we put into it already. So it's exciting because I'm looking forward to where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to talk to people like you. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just this is really nice. Like I like the opportunity to talk to just different people. Yeah. And just like yeah. hear people have similar stories to mine. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that I like about the most because it's like I grew up in like very white areas. So I didn't really have anyone to look to. And then when mm-hmm. I got out of those areas, I grew up in areas I didn't really like fit in. So now yep. I'm in this place where I'm like comfortable. But it's still, like, I'm still going through shit, and I want validation in certain areas. Yes. Not, like, I need it, but it's, like, you know, it's nice to know somebody's going through something like me, and it's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going through it together. I got it. You got it. It's cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hearing these stories, like, really put that into, like, perspective Mm -hmm. and made me, like, understand that, you know, I'm not alone. It's really nice. Exactly. Yeah. That's an important feeling to have. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See? I like that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate you coming on yeah. and validating the love for Brooklyn Nine Nine. You, know. <laughs> you gotta do it. <laughs> I am, like I said, I am a blur, so I absorb, I absorb movie lines almost immediately. Oh shit! We didn't even <laughs> talk about that part. Tell me about how. Wait, what See, I don't part remember of stuff. Yeah, uh, we didn't even touch on that yet. Marvel, uh, like please. <laughs> Not and that she's hoping for any specific answers. I am, but... though. Like, I <laughs> if you've listened to past episodes, you might be able to get <laughs> So, so um, I'm an interesting type of blurred. Um, I definitely like my Marvel. Okay. Um, I'm into the movies. I'm into the comics. Okay. I also like my Vertigo comics. Very, okay. Big Neil Gaiman fan. Good Omens, if you haven't seen it, uh, do so. You won't regret it. I <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, D and D. I like to play my Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you're like a my nerd husband. Nerd. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. That's what I was going to say. It's here to get interesting. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> yes. I am a nerd. Nerd. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. And wait, LARPing. Wow. <laughs> really? What do you play? Like, what kind of character do you play? So What's your my identity character right in- now, because our our game is actually on its. Hmm? I was saying, what's that identity? That's a whole other. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the character that I play right now is a African half elf. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. Um, they're a rogue, which means that they are they're very stabby. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is not that far from the truth. But um yeah, I've been playing I've been playing her for a long time. Um and so the game is about to end, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But um we will be starting a new one and I'm considering playing something even weirder. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking some sort of like Eldritch horror slash fey fae creature, something like that. Huh. I'm gonna get real if you guys keep letting me talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though. That's very cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, LARPing is a lot of fun, and LARPing actually kind of helped me to feel even more confident and also balanced because mm-hmm. there's something to be said about being able to like go out into the woods for a few days at the t- at a time and just like you know pretend to like you know kill your friends and <laughs> and sort of have that escape from all of the responsibilities mm-hmm. that happen in this world. Throw yourself into that and then come back and feel like refreshed and like you can sort of deal with reality a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but also to be able to be, you know, fierce and courageous or sneaky or intelligent or whatever you create your character to be, um, kind of helps 
boost your confidence. It's like, if I can do all of this in this arena, why can't I do it here? Yeah. So um, I always suggest LARPing. I'm like, try it. Even if it's a one shot, even if mm-hmm. it's a one day thing, go and be your character. If you can play video games, you can LARP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> That's okay. a good time. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be fun. You got to get more black people to LARP anyway, because I'm lonely. Um <laughs> We'll send them your way. We're like, y'all need to go to the East Coast. Yeah, everybody needs to. <laughs> well, they just oh, had WakandaCon here last weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, y'all live where freaking WakandaCon happens. I, uh-huh. Damn. Yeah, so I, gotta, I hear I a lot that. of people turned up in cosplay for that. Oh, my God. See? See? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, if we can go cosplay, because I see so many, so many cool black cosplays all the time all the time i'm like if you don't just go larp (laughs) right you just gotta like shuffle them in do you do cosplay as well like have you done that i have done it um not particularly well because i have not had a sewing machine in years Mm -hmm. so it's always so i never at least i never feel like it's the quality that i want it to be Mm -hmm. but um as a wedding gift somebody just gave us a sewing machine so you know what's good (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. so it's, yeah i'm definitely gonna be cosplaying again actually um i convinced my husband to be uh crawly and aziraphale from good omens for this halloween so i got to get to sewing soon anyway mm-hmm. yeah halloween's gonna creep up quick yeah yeah it's my favorite holiday so i take it very seriously nice. <laughs> Understood. it's gonna be a good time yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Oh man, I feel like I've nerded out all over y'all. No, you're what? good. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a bad thing. Okay, <laughs> not, not not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like if you ask me, I'm be like, all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we buckle want it. up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we want it. Just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, can I ask you guys what made you start this show? Sure. so i came up with the idea after i fell in love with podcasts and fell in love with storytelling because Mm. i realized that occasionally storytelling podcasts would have a queer person on there and it would be just a queer story and that's all they would really talk about so i wanted the whole beyond queer stories we have many more identities obviously besides um being queer and many more life experiences that we could share and connect with one another on um and also when i listen to storytelling i want to know that person they give you this very intimate snapshot of their life and then I always want to know more. So that was all also the reason why I wanted to highlight one person in an episode because I want to actually like sit down and talk to people and hear their story and get to know who they are even more deeply than that. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that is the best reason. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I like it. I appreciate being able to kind of like give that platform and have us come together to like host all of y'all. Yeah. Y'all yeah. doing okay. a great job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So what's coming up for you? What's next for you? Oh man, so much. Um <laughs> uh the Queer Bay brunch as always. We actually have one coming up on August seventeenth. So um we're gonna be meeting at one of our popular restaurants here, uh Purple Finch Cafe, where they have sweet potato donuts. Um what? they are amazing. Um <laughs> that sounds so good. So 
it's so off. It's so good and so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want a sweet potato so, donut. Um, I mean, I yeah, they're amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, we will be having that. And we have a couple of movie screenings coming up uh, that I'm planning for September and October. Um, we're going to do... For October, we're, we're really going to do it up with a sleepover, a queer sleepover, where everybody gets to watch horror movies. I and do that? We, yes, need to, yes. we need to make that happen in Chicago. <laughs> that would be so fun. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, I have good ideas, you know. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so, I love yeah, that so much. We have a lot of that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of stuff like that. I am also moving into my first house, so it's oh, going to be a very busy gosh. couple of months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, and I'm hoping that once things settle down, I will be able to continue my own podcast, um, Ask a Brown Feminem, and um, give people advice and, you know, inform people about experiences that are brown and queer. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, those are some great plugs. Also, how do people find all that info? How do they so find you? The, How do they find your events? Yeah. <laughs> the best way to do it is to just go to my Facebook page. I know that a lot of people are not about Facebook, I guess, now. Like, I'm <laughs> because I use Facebook, but whatever. It's my I still truth. use Pandora, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, like, so you yeah. use Pandora? <laughs> yeah, <I do. laughs> but, yeah, um, my Facebook page is is titled Ask a Brown Feminine, and under events is Queer Babe Brunch, so it's pretty easy to find. Um, you'll know it because it's a bitmoji of me with a cat. Um, it's pretty, Aww. it's pretty distinctive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you follow me there, um, you'll see my content, you'll see my events. And, you know, if anybody's in the area or wants to be in the area, you know, you can come and have sweet potato donuts with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's so wonderful having you. Yeah, it was good chatting with yeah. you. Likewise, I, I've enjoyed this. Oh. I'm gonna bug you guys a lot on social media. Fuck yes, yeah. please <laughs> do. And for real, like, send us stuff, and we'll promo it for you. Um, the book, your events, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah just let us know. Bug us, please. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. You're all right. welcome. Yeah. Enjoy right, your day. Talk to you, later. you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next, next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. You know, with being 44 and people are actually like, but you should be settled down. You should have kids. You should this, you should that. There is no such thing. Mm-mm. There is no such freaking thing. No. You will not put me in your box. That box was made for you. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, you shouldn't be in your own box. Mm-hmm. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da.